to be your pastor. I want you to know that. And I love you very much. And I appreciate you, each and every one of you. And I hope that you know that. Today we're going to continue. We've been studying in the end times. And we're going to go to the book of Revelation. And while you're turning to the book of Revelation chapter 20, I want to remind you again, there was a short announcement about the Candy Carnival. This year, we're not opening it up to the whole community. We're not promoting it to the whole community because there's so many uh, people contracting COVID and we don't want to be part of that. But we do want to have our kids able to enjoy a Candy Carnival. It's an alternative to Halloween. Amen? And so... If you can help, I want to, to remind you that uh, Melissa is going to be at the table out in the foyer, and uh, Wednesday we're going to be setting up, we're going to decorate the platform, we're going to move all the chairs and begin to set up the games that we're going to have, and uh, she still needs some baked goods, if you can bake a cake or a pie or something for the carnival, she would appreciate that, and uh, if you can help in other ways, please send, see Melissa after the, after the service. It's going to be this Friday, October the 30th, from 5.30 to 7.30. And so be in prayer. Last year, church, we had 25 children. Last year, Becca shared the word. And 25 children at the end of her message raised their hand and said, I want to ask Jesus into my heart and into my life. It's not just about having fun. Amen? I, I, I want our kids to enjoy the time and have fun. But if there's a child that doesn't know Jesus, that's the most important thing to me. Amen? So be in prayer this week that it'll be more than just fun. That it'll be a time when children can really connect with the God that created them and loved them and has a plan for them. I want you to turn, if you haven't already, to Revelation chapter 20. Today we're going to talk about the millennium. The millennium. And there's various views of the millennium. Uh, some think it's just spiritual. Some think it's actually taking place now. Um, and others are looking for it to take place where we ended last week. Last week we talked about the great uh, cataclysm that's going to take place. And Jesus is coming back. And when the the armies are gathered against Israel that Jesus is going to intervene. And He is going to be here and all His saints are coming with Him. And He is going to rule and He is going to reign. Amen? And today I want to look at the millennium because there's great truth. Even though as we've been studying prophecy and, and the different end time subjects, we've talked about the fact that we, we can't be dogmatic in many aspects of it because it's not necessarily just laid out chronologically. When the prophets would receive the various uh, pictures that they would receive and see, they would say, I saw this and I saw this. And it wasn't laid out chronologically. We talked about it before that even Jesus, when He was prophesying His death and His resurrection, to the disciples, where were they? Were they expecting it? Were they there at the tomb saying, oh yeah, it's going to happen any second? No, they were hiding in a home. Even though He had spoken and told them what was going to happen. So many times we do not understand 
the prophecies in Scripture until after they take place. And then we see the Scriptures and see how God unfolds it. And it just, it just encourages us. God is on the throne. He is in control. Amen? And so today I want you to read this passage with me. Chapter 20. Let's read verse 1 through verse 6. Now it's interesting, this passage speaks of the millennium. It talks about the thousand year reign of Christ. But what's interesting is the fact that it is the, the term, the thousand year reign, is not seen in other prophetic passages that we assume and we connect with the thousand year reign. This is the only place in Scripture where it actually uses the term and speaks about the thousand year reign. So let's look at what it says. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. Who's deceiving the nations today? Satan. We need to understand that. We need to understand that we are in a battle. There's a spiritual battle taking place in this world. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus. And for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. How many like that idea? Amen. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. Now, we don't have, have time on a Sunday morning to get into all the different aspects and, and to search out every verse in this passage, but I want us to take an overview today and I want us to, to understand some very important things. Now the millennium speaks of that thousand year period when Christ is going to reign on the earth. And we said a moment ago that contrary to a lot of people's thinking, it's really not found that term in other parts. But there are verses. And I want us to look at some of the verses today that most Bible scholars say this is speaking about that time when Christ is reigning for a thousand years. One of the things that's prophesied is longevity. In Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 20, it says, No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old. In this period of time, a child is still, your childhood is still going to be within the first 100 years. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Because everything in this world has changed. 
The devil has been bound up and the rule of Jesus Christ is overruling everything else. (laughs) Amen? And I don't know about you, but I like that because that means I'm still a child at 60 years old. (laughs) But imagine that. A hundred years and you're still in your childhood. Another verse that the the Bible scholars use and talk about is, is... is in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 through 9. And there it's talking about wild beasts and how that the, uh, the wildness will, will stop and the cruelty of, of creatures one to another will stop. In verse 6 of Isaiah 11, it says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall, shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play with the cobra's hole. Shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my mount, holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Today we, we, we live in a world that cries, oh, we need peace. We need peace. We're coming to the time of year when, when we focus on the Prince of Peace birth. Jesus' birth, and, and, and how many times have, and during that time of the year do we focus on peace, peace in the world? And church, God's Word says there will come a time when Jesus is going to rule, He's going to reign, and there will be the ultimate peace from the Prince of Peace in this world. Amen? Imagine a child sticking his hand in a snake's den of a venomous snake and not having to worry. Imagine the wolves and and the other animals that are fierce grazing with the ox. It's peace that we have never experienced. We don't understand that. It's beyond what we can imagine. But it's coming, church. It's coming when when Jesus and His saints are going to rule for a thousand years on this earth. But what I want you to know today, church, is there's something else. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. Another verse that's commonly considered part of the, the millennium. It says, He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Notice here, it's saying that the Lord's going to have to rebuke many people. Why? Because when we come back with the Lord, there are going to be millions of people that have made it through that wrath of God And they're going to be living in this earth, but they're not right with God. They've rebelled against God. They've rejected God. But they're coming under the rule of the Prince of Peace. And they're going to experience what God intended for man to experience. And that is the rule of Jesus Christ ruling in our lives. 
And church, I want to encourage you today, if you're struggling with peace right now, you don't have to wait till the millennium to experience the ultimate prince of peace. You can have peace right now in your heart, in your life, no matter what you're facing, no matter what trials or tribulations, no matter what's going on, whether you're attacked by a sickness or disease, you can have genuine peace in your life right now. Are you thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. I, I shared it just a, a couple of Wednesday nights ago where I had a friend that he prayed and asked, he was about to die. He was sick and battling a, a cancer, I believe it was, and he was about to die. The doctors told him there wasn't any hope, and he said, Lord, I just want 10 more years. Will you please heal me and give me 10 more years? And miraculously, God healed him and gave him another 10 years. But at the end of the 10 years, he was in the hospital again. He knew his time was about up, but he had a, a peace that surpassed all understanding. The doctors and the nurses came in there. In fact, they called a psychiatrist because they thought there was something loose up there. Because he knew he was... He was going to die, but he knew that the Bible says to die is to gain. And that it's far better to go to be with Jesus. And he had a peace in his life. He knew that God had forgiven him of his sins. He knew he was right and ready to go to be with Jesus. And so he was just singing and praising God in the hospital room. He was just telling everybody about Jesus. And they thought he was nuts. But that's the peace you can have in your life where you're not worried about tomorrow. I talked to my mother. You know, most of you know she visited a couple of weeks ago. Well, I called and checked on her in Texas, and she made it fine. And we were talking about, you know, the election and what, what's possibly going to happen. Are there going to be more riots? Is there going to be uprising and different things? And she said, well, I'm 85, and I'm right with Jesus, so it really doesn't matter to me. She says, I'm ready whenever he's ready to come get me. <laughs> Amen. And all of us should have that peace today. If you know that you're right with Jesus, if you've asked him into your life, ask him to forgive you of, of your sins. And all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. But church, we can have that peace now in our lives, ruling in our lives now. A simple definition of the millennium I want, to, I want to start with that here. It's a Latin word that simply means a thousand years. It's not fine, the word millennium is not found in Scripture, but we just read the passage where it does speak of the thousand years. And that's where the term comes from. We talk about the millennial reign of Christ, and that's what we're referring to. It's that period of time that many people look upon as utopia. Everything's going to be perfect. Jesus is going to rule. But the way Scripture seems to appear, we need to understand there's been a total upheaval of our planet. An earthquake that shook the entire planet. Many scholars believe that uh, an asteroid is going to hit and cause this great earthquake. But we know it's going to move every mountain. It's going to move all the islands. We know it's going to be a cataclysmic event. But Jesus comes with all His saints with Him. And, he, and the millennial reign begins when Jesus comes. Amen. Back to this world. 
And so I think, you know, instead of just saying it's going to be all of a sudden, boop, a perfect utopia, there might be a little work for us to do after that. I don't know. But I know eventually it is going to be that world that experiences the awesome peace of God like never before. Because the ultimate King of Kings is ruling the earth. Everything is going to be lovely. It's going to be nice. And guess what? Everybody is going to own a piece of property. That's in Scripture. Some of us have never owned property. So you have something to look forward to. Others know how much it takes to take care of property and you're not really thrilled. (laughs) But we're told in our text why this atmosphere changes. Look again at Revelation chapter 20, verse 2. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should, he, so that he should deceive the nations no more. Till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Because of the devil's absence and Jesus coming and reigning, the devil is bound for a thousand years. There's an atmospheric change. There's a change in our world. Now there's two things that we need to understand that, that affect the world that we live in today powerfully. First of all, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Turn to your neighbor. This is a good opportunity to tell him you're a sinner. We live in a world that sin has been passed down from generation to generation. Right? It's, it, it is part of who we are when, we, when we're born. It doesn't take long before you notice that. Uh, you can talk to a child that's just a toddler that's two years old. One of the first things they learn is no. Little Zeke is almost three. And he comes in and, to me and he's very demanding. Big Paw, give me your phone. I want to watch Robots. And I say, no, right now is not a good time. Big Paul, I want your phone. He's not even three yet. It's, it's in our nature. It's in our spiritual DNA. Just like we have DNA passed down physically. You have, you know, color of hair or eyes or different traits that are passed down. Spiritually, we've been passed down from Adam. The Bible teaches us that in Adam all die. That we've all had that sinful nature passed down to us. That's our number one problem. But the number two problem is that Satan has been cast down from heaven. He is in this world. He is, the Bible says that he is the prince of the power of the air. It says that he manipulates. He, 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 right here, we just read, he comes against the nations. He doesn't want the nations to experience the peace and the love and the grace and the mercy of the true and living God. 
You wonder why our nations fight and struggle and war against one another. It's because not only are they sinful, and, and, and most of them are not regenerated and, and know God and walking with Him, but church, there's an enemy who comes and plays upon our sinfulness, and, and so he leads and tempts and does whatever he can to stir things up. And it's not just in our nation, it's in our families, it's in our homes, it's in our lives as individuals. If we give Him an area in our life, He will take hold, He will lay hold of it, and He will manipulate us as best He can. And so church, we need to see that. That's why in this this rule of Jesus, He is bound up and there's a shift. I want us also to notice something else. There's no mention that any of those beings that, are, that were created that followed Satan are bound up with him. Now sometimes we just assume, well, they're just, the Scripture's just using Satan as a general term for every follower, everyone that's underneath him, and that they're all bound up. But if you look at the text, it doesn't say that. And, and, and there's something else I want us to see that the Bible talks about thrones and principalities and powers and mights, dominions, and it talks about fallen angels and demons. And so church, there's a possibility, this is a possibility, and again, I'm not being dogmatic with it. But as we enter into the millennium, Satan has been bound. We know that. The head is gone. But we might have to join the Lord in reigning and ruling and establishing that peace because it talks about, in our passage, being seated on thrones and ruling. Now right now, in the spiritual realm, there are Powers and principalities, the Bible says, that actually rule over certain areas in the world. But church, I've got good news for you. Our God's greater. I've got good news for you. Greater is He who is in you than he who's in the world. We don't fear these things, but we see the evidence of them. And, and I want us to, if we, if we think about it for a minute, if our spiritual eyes were open and we see evidence of this in Scripture, and I want to go there for just a second. In 2 Kings, we have a story of Elisha and his servant, Gehazi. And it says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, And when the servant of, of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? How many people are living in that mindset today? Alas, my master, what shall we do? Alas, my master, what shall we do? Oh no, things don't look good. Look at our politics in this nation. Look at the riots. Look at the things taking place in the world today. All of these things. Oh, alas, my master, what are we going to do? 
There's too many people, even Christians, living in fear today. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Amen? So we're not going to live in fear. In this story, it goes on. It says, So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. And he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Church, there is a spiritual realm. And sometimes God allows, like in this situation, He allows people to get a glimpse of the spiritual realm. And here, it brought strength, it brought hope, but Elisha already knew that it was there. Elisha knew that he didn't have to worry that God was in control. Amen? And he says, Lord, just open his eyes. Let him see what you've got going on. And church, if we could see today in the spiritual realm, I believe with all my heart that there are chariots of fire in the mountains gathered around this valley and they're ready to come and battle on your behalf. They're ready to come and battle to see the victory of the Lord take hold in our valley. Amen? So like Elijah, we need to pray. The spiritual realm is just beyond our view. And that spiritual realm is influencing governments. It's influencing nations. It's, in, in, it's doing everything it can to bring destruction and to stop the, and hinder the possibilities that God has for us and that God wants for us. It's not just on the global scene, but it's personally to each one of us. But church, I want to assure you today that the rule that we're talking about in the millennium of Jesus can rule in your heart and in your life today. Does anybody believe that? And church, that's the answer. The answer isn't saying, oh Lord, I want the rapture to come. Take me home right now. I want to get out of here. The answer is saying, I'm gonna, I've been told to occupy until the Lord comes back. That means I go about kingdom business. That means I, I go ahead and do everything I can to be the light of Jesus and to be the salt. And I'm not going to stand back and let the rule of the enemy continue to rule. I'm going to let the rule of God rule in my life. And I'm going to let the rule of God rule through my life. Amen? I don't believe that the Lord wants His people to wait for His rule in the millennium. I believe with all my heart that God calls us to receive His rule right now and to begin to take His rule in this world to overrule the things of the enemy. Amen? And how do we do that? By prayer and by praise and worship. We battle the enemy. We see those thrones and dominions brought down. We see the rule of God extended even now 
before the millennium. And I believe God's training up His children so that when that day comes, that we're with Him and He's ruling and reigning and we're right there with Him, that we will already have plenty of practice of ruling with His rule in our lives. I don't know about you, but I like that. Amen? Lord, we welcome Your rule. Now back to the millennium. Most have been taught a division between the church age and the kingdom age. And what this thought presents is that the kingdom age began when Jesus came to earth. The King of kings was here. He walked this earth. But when He ascended into heaven, that there was a period of time when the power of God was still demonstrated. The power of God was still doing miracles and signs and wonders. But then it began to fade out when the Word of God was being written and when they compiled the Word of God, there wasn't any need for miracles any longer. And so they don't think that the power of God's going to be manifested in a kingdom way until the millennium. And this is called dispensationalism. And I don't believe it at all. Because God wants you to experience His kingdom rule now. He wants you to welcome His kingdom rule into your marriage to overthrow the things that are trying to tear you apart. He wants you to experience the kingdom rule of God when you're struggling with sickness or a disease. And say, Lord, I claim the promises in the Word of God. And I welcome, I welcome the rule of God to come into my life and overrule what is ruling right now. And church, I still believe we need miracles. I believe that we need miracles just as much as the early church. And let me tell you, let me give you a verse. When the the early church was birthed in power at Pentecost, Peter's preaching, 3,000 souls are saved that day. And listen to what he says in his message. He says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. Church, you are here today because God's call is on your life. He's called you to come and receive Him. We are still seeing people answer and respond to the call of God. That verse tells us that the promise of the outpouring of the Spirit for the early church wasn't just to kick things going. It was an intended for you and I to experience the rule of God in our lives and through our lives. Amen? And I don't have time. I'm running out of time. I'd like to elaborate on that. But I want to jump down. Let's go back to verse 4 in our our, uh, text in, in Revelation. I want you to notice a couple of things. I saw thrones and they sat on them. And judgment was committed to them. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. 
Then in verse 6, they shall be priests to God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. When do we take that throne? When are we seated in that throne? We know from this passage, it is going to be a literal event. Right now, the Bible says that we're seated with Him in heavenly places. That's talking about our authority. But physically, we're still operating here on the earth. But there's coming a time when we will sit in the thrones and we will righteously rule along with Christ. But what I want us to see here is that the word thrones. That word thrones is used in the Old Testament and it's used for powers. It's used for fallen angels, powerful beings that follow Christ that we, like I talked earlier, rule over an area. And there's a, there's a possibility here that when we enter into that millennial reign, the devil's been bound, but those thrones of the enemy are going to have to be overtaken by us. Because church, it says in this millennial reign, Jesus is ruling, everybody say it, with a rod of iron. Several times we see that in Scripture. What does a rod of iron speak to? It means it's a forced rule, a forced peace that has to be reinforced. Now that's something that we could get into, and like I said, we don't have time, but it's an interesting thought. So what I, what I, want, I want, to, want us to see today is that there's a possibility that we, when we come back with Christ, that we will be reinforcing and overthrowing with Him all the demonic powers under Satan. He has been bound. Satan's been bound. But we're overruling and bringing this ultimate knowledge of Jesus Christ around the world and the peace of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to be dogmatic with that. That's just an idea. But what I do want to be dogmatic with is this. That Jesus doesn't want us to wait. He doesn't want us to wait until the millennium to experience His rule and His peace in our life. He wants you to experience that right now. And so we need to be prepared. We need to start walking in the authority. And first of all, we welcome, like the song we sing, I surrender all. We're welcoming the rule of Christ into every area of our lives. We're not giving Jesus parts. We're saying, Lord, I'm sold out 100%. Here's my life. You are my creator. You died on the cross for me. Lord, I know you love me and you have plans for me. Let your plans be fulfilled in my life. Lord, I surrender everything that I am to You. Your will be done in my life. And then the next step is saying, Lord, I want to walk in the authority that Jesus has for me. I want to take the rule of God. I want to see the, the strongholds of the enemy broken in our community. It's more than just saying, Jesus, bless my community. It's more than saying, Lord, bless the new president. It's saying, Lord, You've given me authority. Your rule is in my life. I come against the strongholds of the enemy in the United States of America. 
I bind them in the name of Jesus and I release the power of the Holy Spirit. What we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And in the original Greek, it means it's already done on heaven's side of things. We just have to get in line with heaven's. I believe in these last days, God's going to raise up a church that is going to walk in the authority and the rule of Jesus Christ in a greater way. They're going to see Jesus in us. They're going to know there's something different about our lives. We're going to go forth and we're going to encounter people that are living under the rule of the enemy. And we're going to come and say, Jesus, I ask you to overrule what's taking place in this life and bring the kingdom rule of Jesus. We have that authority, church. Are we walking in it? In Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says, He, speaking of Jesus, called His twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons. Church, we don't have to put up with it. Oh, come on. I know this is a challenging word today. God wants us to rise up and walk in the rule and experience His rule and let the world experience His rule through us. Amen? In 1 Timothy, and I'm about to close, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1-4, through it says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Church, Jesus loves everybody. He wants everybody to know Him. But church, according to this verse, everybody needs to be prayed for. I need your prayers. You need prayer. The reason you're here today is because somebody prayed for you. Amen. It may have been a, a husband or wife. It may have been a mom or a dad. It may have been a grandmother or grandfather. It may have been a next door neighbor. But somebody prayed. Somebody got on down and before the Lord and asked the Lord to touch your heart and life, to open your eyes spiritually, and that you would come to know Jesus. Paul continues and he says, Pray for kings and all those in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Are we doing battle? Are we, are we taking the rule of God and praying and seeing it extended in our community? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 4 talks about a harvest of souls. You've heard me talk about it. I've been talking about revival for years. And some people get tired of that. Pastor, you've been talking about revival a lot of years now and we haven't seen it. Well, I know what God's Word says. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's in the last days period. And most all of your Christian leaders around the world are ready and believing God for a mighty move in the last days. Amen? So church, is your heart ready for that? Are you praying for that? I was going to go to Matthew chapter 25, and there's just I was going to read and do a little more, but I'm not for time's sake. But I do want to say this. In, in that passage between 14 and 29 of 
Matthew 25. It says, the Lord in this situation says, I will make you ruler over many things. They've been given talents. Some five. One five, one two, one one. And when the Lord comes back, two of them have increased. One didn't. And He tells the ones that have learned that He's going to make them ruler over many things. And church, I want you to think about that. When we learn to rule now in this life, experiencing Jesus' rule and sharing that rule, it's preparing us for the rule one day. And I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait till the millennium to see the devil and his tools and his minions bound up. I want to take authority now. When I encounter him, I want to welcome the rule of Jesus. And I believe that's what God's calling our church to do. I want the worship team to come. I want you to stand with me. We've been doing a series on the end times and some of the messages in the end times aren't tickling your ears. But they're preparing you. And the main thing I want you to get out of this, the message today is don't wait for the millennium to experience the rule of God and the peace of God. Experience the peace and the rule of God now and share that with others. And I want to pray for you. Lord, I just thank You for everyone that's here today. Lord, I lift up those that are watching by the stream, live stream. Lord, those that may be sick today and unable to be here. Lord, I pray for Your kingdom rule. Lord, to be in our lives. We welcome You. We surrender all to You today, Lord. Lord, the difficult things, the challenges, the temptations, everything that we face, Lord. We pray for Your rule to overrule the flesh and to overrule the temptation of the enemy. And Lord, I pray for Your peace today. Lord, there are those that are struggling right now. They may be struggling with fear. They may be struggling, Lord, with, with not having the peace of God today. And Lord, I pray right now that Your peace that surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds. Lord, we do pray for the election. We join Franklin Graham and we join the other churches around this nation and beyond that are praying for this election. We pray, Lord, that Your rule would rule in this election. We pray, Lord, against any injustice. We pray, Lord, that there would be, Lord, just the peace of God Lord, we know that there's the possibility of uprisings afterward. We know, Lord, that there's possibility of riots. But Lord, I welcome and I pray the church would rise up 
and say, Jesus, we welcome Your rule in our nation, in our homes, Lord, right here in our state. Lord, we bless all those that are in authority over us. From our mayor to our governor to our Congress and our Senate. We bless them in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that You would rule their lives. If they do not know You, Lord, open their eyes spiritually that they would see their need for Christ. Lord, we know that You are the only hope for our nation. And Lord, we pray for Your will to be done in this election. And Lord, we pray against any spirits that would try to bring an uprising or try to tear down our nation. But Lord, we pray that You would miraculously bring peace and unity. Lord, we pray for racial peace and unity. Lord, we pray for economic peace and unity. Lord, that we wouldn't covet because someone else has more than we do. But Lord, we would realize that You are the source of blessing. And Lord, we welcome You in our nation to rule and reign. And let it start with our homes today. Let it start with our lives as individuals today. Lord, we surrender all. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the worship team just to lead us in that great old hymn. And I want you to make that a prayer. If there's something in your life that you've been holding on to, you haven't surrendered to the Lord, I ask you to surrender that to Jesus today. If Jesus isn't ruling your marriage, if He's not ruling your home, if He's not ruling your business, welcome Him to rule in that area today. Let's join the worship team. Jesus